Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey there, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan here talking about Baptism Sunday, which was March 26th. And uh, it was a great Sunday. It was. There was a lot of good things that happened. Man, the gospel was preached so clearly. We saw four people baptized. It was a great day. But it was also kind of a heavy day too, a little bit. Yeah, coming into it. I mean, you know, the Hesses, they lost, you know, Allie, a 16-year-old daughter, just totally unexpected. So since Thursday, we had been walking with them through that. A lot of people at the church have been walking with them. And so there'd been the heaviness of that. There'd been the vigil the night before, right? And and then you come to Sunday morning and you'd been mourning with those who mourn and there was a lot of excitement going on and it was, it, it kind of felt like whiplash where you're driving 80 miles an hour one way and you slam on the brakes and you go the other. But it was, for me, it was a really exciting day. And so it, I'm actually glad it was a baptism Sunday. It would have been a lot harder to make that emotional turn, I think, on a normal Sunday. Um, and we're kind of, you and I were just talking, we're filling again today. It's back to Monday. We're dealing with details and walking with them. And so there's still that, that heaviness. Um, but yesterday we got to celebrate Jordan, uh, new life in Jesus. Not that they'd come to life, but that public profession. And we had nine people take a gospel track out of the back. I was going to ask you that number. So nine, huh? So that's nine people that are like, I'm hungry. Like God spoke to me. I want to know more about this. We got to proclaim the gospel clearly, which is always good. Even for me that I even came last week going, walking through that text and that I was like, I even got more, even more convicted or settled. Like, yeah, it's all his righteousness, all of it. And that's a really great thing because I can generate it in myself. And so the fact that he, he'll, you know, give that to me as a gift is really powerful. So yeah, it's been a tough few days. Yesterday was really exciting. Um, one thing I loved is that we were just talking of those four people that got baptized. You know, Aurora grew up in church, um, but, you know, how, just her journey to faith, I loved hearing that. Three of those, though, Sandy, Kathy, and Chloe did not grow up around here, got brought in, two of them into venue, 12. Uh, Kathy through Sunshine Sisters got introduced, became a part of the body. God used multiple people on their journey and to see them come to faith. Like God is at work and we want to be about the kingdom. And that's what that was about yesterday. So it was really powerful. And the, you know, the challenge worship team did great. So it was just a very energizing day for me. And just for me to preach the gospel, like to lay it out, because we all need to hear it, not just non-believers. I need to be reminded of it. So anyways, for me, it was a pretty exciting day. Yep. So yeah. Um, anytime that you see people baptized and profess their faith and you know, there's a chance that somebody who doesn't know the gospel is going to hear it for the first time. Anytime that's on the table, it's, and it's a good day. Yeah. 
So it was a really good day. So and what a perfect message! Did you time this this way? <laughs> you know what's really it? interesting when I was when I laid out when I looked at the names of God and I just kind of laid out like I knew the ones I wanted to hit first and these in the middle and these more at the end, and I'd kind of laid out a schedule. I'd actually put this on this Sunday. And then we set the baptisms on the same day. And I'm like, what a perfect day for that one. Like if I could have picked it, you know, and I would have switched this once we set the baptism, but it so, I was so excited to bring this name yesterday because it gave me a chance to speak the gospel and remind all of us that my rich, that he is my righteousness. And that's just good news. It really is good news. And it, again, I, I remember coming to Christ and the the guilt, the weight of the guilt of my sin being taken off my shoulders when I accepted him. And that gift of righteousness, just all of that is just profound, very profound. So, yep, Yahweh Sidkanu, Jeremiah 23, uh, the Lord is my righteousness. What a perfect way to sum up what baptism is reflecting. Yeah. Right? That very it's not so. our work that gets us to God, it is the work of Jesus. But I was I was a little afraid putting the Sid and the canoe up there that I'd like wreck the whole thing. I'd like torpedo. No, the that whole was thing. spot on. That was spot on because that's the perfect way to say it. So <laughs> I'm like, do it. I do this? I'm like, this could wreck the whole mood. But I thought, well, at least nothing else. The gin, maybe the Gen Zers. I don't know. The millennials will appreciate it. Somebody who ever grew oh, up on Ice Age. Oh, millennials. Yeah, we grew up on Ice Age because they're on like Ice Age 12 now. So <laughs> right. they've been making those for a bit. So it's kind of like Rocky. Yeah, they're close. They're catching up to. <laughs> To the Rocky movies. I don't so. know that Ice Age has ever been compared to Rocky, but if, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. It <laughs> could be. Hey, something you said that was really useful was um, you drew this picture of kind of the, the scales. Yes. And just how it's natural for us to imagine our goodness on one side and our badness on the other and how our flesh just kind of says, hey, as long as my goodness outweighs my badness, then that's what God wants from me. And that's, and that's how I... Yeah, that's what gets me into heaven. And that's how I live a good life. And so my first question is, um, obviously we know that's not what the gospel is. And we'll talk more about that in a sec. But why is that A, the go-to view for people who don't know Jesus? I mean, whether we would we would vocalize it or not, I think that's kind of what we feel in our souls. Yes. And then B, even for those of us who know Jesus, this is kind of tough to shake. I mean, yes, it is. we can always catch ourselves trying to be good enough. Yes, and so just what's up with that? Why does it work that way? Yeah, so I, I've got a couple of thoughts. The main thought is, is it goes back to Genesis 3 in the fall. And the, the root of that, of Satan's fall, the root of their fall was a pride that they knew better than God and that they knew a better way and they were going to take their way. And it just generated in humanity this pride, this sense that I have to be the one to earn it. It's got to be on me. It's got to be my doing. I said yesterday, like, I want to wear that badge of honor. I don't want somebody else to have it. You know, it's me that got me in here. And that's just the default. It's just that human sinful longing to get the credit for what I did. Instead of it being credited to me, I want the credit. And that's why we struggle with it. It's just, it's global. It's universal. This is, and even as believers, once I, so I accept it by faith, but then, then I'm trying to get the credit for my goodness as a believer. Uh, and it doesn't work that way either. We're going to get to that in a few months. But yeah, that's what I would say. What do you feel like? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think pride is at the center of it that I want to be good enough. Even in daily life, it's hard to let somebody do something nice for you. Yeah. You know, like right. you always want to earn it. You always want to feel like you have a part in, in that. And so, yeah, back when you talked about the idols that hide under the surface, 
I know pride was one of those key ones that hides under a lot of things. And this is probably one of those things, right? Like we just want to feel good enough. We want to know that we are doing it. And and that's one of the hardest things to die to, even for believers, right? Like we talked about, even if you're following Jesus, it is a daily surrender of like, we're going to talk about in a sec of your righteousness. Like it's not just a daily surrender of your sin. It's a daily surrender of, okay, I'm not going to earn it today. Right. I'm going to lean on the cross today. And surrender is total opposite of the flesh, right? It's, it's, it just goes against the grain. No, it's not natural at all. Yep, goes against the grain. So. It's not natural in any way. Yep. Yeah, you said right after that, um, Psalm 143, that no one living is righteous. But I wanted to push back and ask you, Garen, because it seems like there is righteousness in the world, right? I mean, everyone's had a new neighbor bring them cookies or you know, someone out of the goodness of their heart has helped you with something or we see people donating, even yeah, people don't know, just right. donating millions of dollars right. to good causes. So yes. how is that not righteous? Yeah. So what I would say to that is, um, I think it's that word righteous and how much that is tied to, to God and salvation language. We, so we are created in the image of God. The image is still there. There is still goodness in us. God's written his law in our heart, but now it's been tainted by sin. And the Genesis says that the the inclination of our heart is to the dark side. And that's why, so that's to me, that's why I had the Isaiah 64, six, that, that our hearts are infected with sin and are impure. And so our righteousness of God is like filthy rags. I think, Hey, I look at this really good thing I did, but the truth is even all my goodness that comes out of that image of God that's still in me, it's tainted by, there's still sin that taints that there's still you know, maybe little little pockets of self-centeredness in it or wanting to be noticed or pride that that taints it. And then God says, that's tainted. It's like, you know, when you talk people who about the idea of sin infecting all of you or we, God doesn't want any sin in heaven, it's like a drop of cyanide taints the whole cup of water. And that even a little bit of sin in my goodness, it taints the whole thing. And when God sees it, he's like, that, that thing is a filthy rag to me. It's not pure. And to get where I'm at, it's got to be pure righteousness, 100%. And it's not that. It's, it's so let me make sure I understand. So first of all, we still, you see humankind doing good things because it, it's a very dim reflection of our good God yeah, who created us. Not still that image right? of God is in there. So there's that. But that goodness is never really good because there's always impure motives mixed in. Yeah, there's always, it's tainted in it's some way. It's just a way. part of our flesh. Yeah, it's just part of It's never for are. someone else's glory. It's always for our glory on some level or for, you know, there's always something in it that's impure. And so it's never a perfectly good deed. Yeah. And then the last thing you're saying is if we ever try and earn our salvation through those things or think that that is something that can be a building block up to God, then that's what God says is filthy rags. He says, you'll yeah. never get to me yeah. that way. Yep, that's not, yeah. If you think that righteousness, that which is again, a saving language, if you think that's going to do it, that's, yeah. that's how it looks to me when I see it. That's what I see. You, you look at it and you think, oh man, that was great. And he's like, okay, that, was, that came out of the image I put in you, but that thing is tainted. It's mixed yeah. more than you know. And it's, that's how I see it. So if a secular person was going to push back on this and say, you know, your deeds as a Christian aren't so different than mine. I give my time. I work at the soup kitchen. I don't I may donate my money to Habitat for Humanity. I've gone and built houses for homeless people. You're doing all those things and saying that you're, you know, you're so much different than us. But in reality, we're both giving people. And you as the believer would say, yes, but the difference is I'm not trying to do those things to be good enough or to earn, yeah, I'm not to earn, earn my goodness and even my own eyes in any way. It's simply a response to Jesus' goodness. It's like this, it's just an outflow for yeah. me. 
And I would say also, when you receive Jesus, when this righteousness is imputed to you, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the God is actually inside of me generating yes. new levels of righteousness that I didn't have before. Yes. And again, that's him, not me. Sure. And so, and that's why we're going to get to another name in, a, in probably in May, April or May, there's another name, Yahweh M. Kadesh, which is, I am your sanctification. So that even the righteousness after I become to Christ, it's generated by him through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And even that's him. Yeah. And so that's what I would say is that I have this power and this, this new generator inside of me. But it, again, that is God. And that's his righteousness that, that comes out. And because he's transforming me, so. And also that goodness of God doesn't just stop when the situation, like when the good, uh, when the good feelings stop. Is yes, that, that's what right. I'm trying to say. Yes. Like it's easy right. for anybody to be giving and, 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 and righteous, I guess, in quotes, when the situation's right. Yep. But Jesus was that way, even when he was being spat on. Yes, right. It, right all the time. And in our flesh, that's not really how it yes. works with us. Right. That a lot of times we will be giving when the mood is right, but you know, yep. as soon as it doesn't advantage us or something bad happens, we are our flesh is much more quick to yeah. And so even the sustainability of it, that's why Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on, you will receive power. So there's there, He's generating it, and He gives me power. It, it creates more sustainability because it's Him living His righteousness through me. Okay. So okay, good. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, something you said, I think you must've made a mistake here and I didn't want to call you out <laughs> on the pod like this, but um, you said that we have to repent of our righteousness. And I think what you meant to say was repent of my sinfulness. And I didn't want to point it out at the moment. And even, <laughs> the, wanna, even, the, for... even the slide was wrong, but I was texting you. I was hoping your phone was in your pocket. I was like, you messed up. So did you make a mistake or what's up with that? It's this profound idea that maybe what keeps a lot of people from God is, okay, our sinfulness keeps us from him. But that maybe for a lot of people, it's their their trust in their righteousness that actually keeps them from putting their faith in him because they don't want to say, I can't get there on my own. And that's a strike against the flesh. It's a strike against everything to say, I cannot earn this. It's impossible. And so my attempts at goodness, it's not good enough. And I even need to repent of my attempts to be good enough. Mm. Not just repent of my sin. I've got to repent, repent of my attempts to earn it. And that, that's why that Billy Graham quote that, that he felt like a lot of people, what kept them from God was their goodness, not their sinfulness. So if we, if we view our righteousness the wrong way, it can be sinfulness. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it is, it, is, it is sinfulness, but it keeps me from God. And yeah. that's what he said is, my, if I trust in my righteousness, I will not throw myself on his mercy. And I'm only saved through his mercy. And so if I'm unwilling to throw myself on him, then I won't be saved. And my righteousness is what's keeping me from it. A lot of what you said yesterday was aimed at non-believers or people who are unfamiliar with the gospel. But do you think this part was maybe pointed at believers a little bit more of like, hey, we know that our sin is bad and we say that all the time, but maybe you haven't realized that if on any level you're trying to earn it or think you have any standing before God because of your good deeds, that like that's something to repent of just as much. Yeah, and that's why when we get to that I am your, your sanctification. We get to that one. We're going to talk about that very topic. Our attempts as believers to generate on our own, in our own power, levels of righteousness. And that's not how the Christian life works. But this very much applies because most, most non-Christians who would have been there, my guess is yesterday, they're showing up in church to watch a baptism. They probably are good people. Mm, yeah, yeah. And that probably that idea that what they're trusting in to save them is their righteousness. And that's sure. why they need to repent of that. Okay. 
yeah, this is probably equally offensive to both Christians and non-Christians, yeah. right? Kind of, a, yeah. It kind of catches everybody. The gospel offends everybody. Right. It offends our flesh and our self-centeredness. I guess what I mean by offensive is you could say, you know, you need to repent of your sins to a Christian and they'd be like, oh, you know, amen. I agree. <laughs> but if you said this to a Christian, maybe they wouldn't disagree with you, but it might hit them in a different way. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't think of it that well, way. We'll get to yeah. that, that offense. Yeah. In a couple, in a month or so, we'll come back to that one. Teaser. Hey, you said something really clearly and it kind of goes with this. You said you need to come to the realization that your goodness will not save you. And I never heard anybody say it that clearly, but that was really useful. We got to come to the realization that our goodness is not going to save us in any way. And I know that I've heard that a hundred ways in church, but just to hear it said so plainly was useful for me. Yeah. And again, and that's, I was talking about you. We have, to, I have to come to him with totally empty hands saying not only but I am that's so hard. Yeah. It's but so I also hard have an inability to not have like a little something in your hands and be it like, so Jesus, I know that you died for me and I know you did all this, but look, I actually, you know, I'm a good person or, <laughs> you know, I volunteer. So yeah. I have that going for me, but to totally come with completely empty hands and say, I am so poor. I yeah. need everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you got to be in a pretty, um, I think that's only possible from the Holy Spirit, right? We can't yeah, even do that on It's the Holy own. Spirit. And that's why Jesus, I didn't re- reference these, I almost did, but in Matthew 18, one, he says, unless you come as a child in humility, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And what Matthew 5, 6, blessed are the poor in spirit for they will see God. You have to come in that poverty of spirit, that, mm. those empty hands, if you want to see And him. that's hard as a Christian because we want to feel like we've made it so often. Right. Right? Like, God, I know that I need you every day, but look at me, I serve in this way or I yeah. gave this or, and every day it's like, man, my hands are so empty. I have to come yeah. back to you and be filled up. So that's why I'm really excited about that second one, that, that he is my sanctifier because we're going to come back and hit that from our perspective even more. Cool. You also said it's not about making bad people good, but dead people alive, which I've heard before, but man, it always hits so hard when you say that. I hope that was useful to somebody because that is such a good way to look at it, right? Just that Second Corinthians 5 language of, we're not trying to make you, we're not trying to do behavior modification here. No, nope, it's, not, it's not about moral reformation. But don't you think that's what people think church is about? That's what, yes, that is what, that's why we had to do that yesterday because somebody coming in, watching a baptism, leaving it to them, oh, this is the place where people just learn yeah. techniques and get a little bit better. Yeah, right. right. Become uh, nicer people. Yeah, become nicer more people. more honest people. Yep. And, and it's like, no, this is a place where the dead show up and God makes them alive yeah. and gives them new life. And yeah, I had to make that clear yesterday. And yeah, and that even the first time I even heard that was like, it was, it was like my first passion. And Louis Giglio said that and it really grabbed my attention. I'm like, right, it is from death to life. And so since then, I really held on to that. And that's why I made, had those things made. And every time we do a baptism, I'm going to say that. That's why we have everybody in. I've gone from death to life. Mm. I don't want anybody leaving there who doesn't know Jesus not knowing that you're dead in your sin. Mm-hmm. And we need to be made alive in him. So it may sound redundant to everybody. And like, gosh, I hear that. We hear that every time. And that signs up there in Christ alone and that dead to life. Yeah. But there are people there who need to hear that. Yeah. Well, it makes sense because on your own, you can become a better person. I mean, you can read a book and yes. be more polite or you know, I can learn tips to whatever. Yeah. But if I'm going to be made alive and I'm dead, that's something that I cannot do by myself. And I've heard it said, I mean, if you're dead, you're non-responsive. Yeah. In every way. And that's a big difference, right? Right. If I'm alive, well, I can, you know, I can tweak this or that, but if you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. 
Can I ask you why we do a believer's baptism? Maybe talk about what that is and why mm. we do that. That is a that is a Baptist distinctive. That's what we did yesterday, right? Uh-huh, and that's baptism. what we did yesterday. And that idea, I think, is very biblical. The main text I point to is Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, and making a disciple is making a follower, then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. So the baptizing comes after the making of a disciple. And that's what we see in Acts, the book of Acts. A person, the Ethiopian eunuch comes to faith, and then he gets baptized. The Cornelius comes to faith, gets baptized. The Philippian jailer is baptism is just a sign of the covenant already entered into. And so that's why we aren't dunking kids or infants or all that stuff. Okay. It doesn't save anybody. So it's a sign of something that's already happened. Yeah, it's a sign of something that's already why happened. The, why all the work of getting the horse tank on stage and really getting them under the water? Why not just give them a little sprinkle? Because I see churches do that. Why yeah. can't we just give them a little sprinkle? Because the Greek word baptizo means to immerse. That's why I wish they had translated it. They didn't. They oh. just transliterate. They just put B to B, A to A. You know, if we're going to be a church that's really about the Bible, maybe we should call it a believer's immersion. Yeah. I wouldn't be against that. People I would mean, freak out, but yeah. that'd be... But that's why we immerse them. And that is the picture. I think that's the intended picture. Didn't you say there's like some ancient text where it's like a recipe and they said you got to... Bat- oh yeah, pickles. Uh-huh. Yeah, talk like about that. Like the word that. for pickles cool. when you make pickles. The recipe is, is you immerse it, you the baptizo, you baptizo it in the juices and stuff, the brine. So that's like and, an ancient recipe that was found in what, like Greece? Yeah. And it's, it uses the same Greek word for submerging the pickles in the yeah. brine as it does for, in the Bible, submerging believers in the water. Yes. And so we know that it's yeah. like, use, immerse yeah. them. So that's why we do it. We're just trying to be, we want to be biblical, right? And so we baptize believers. I think it's biblical. Immersion is what it was. You know, if I'm, if you're, we're willing, we've done this before, where... It's not been done often, but if there's somebody that for some reason that can't happen in that way, we'll do whatever we have to do. If it's a sprinkle or a pour um, that we had and the deacons, this was many, many, many years ago, but we had two Chinese students who became believers who were pregnant. And in their culture, they believe to get in the water when you're pregnant to submerse that it's, it, it can damage the baby. Mm-hmm. And they were so afraid. We talked to the deacons and deacons said, but they'd come to Christ and they're like, let's, let's do a pour. And we had, we baptized some others that day. We immersed them. And so we explained it. You did a pour but over. We did a pour over, man. <laughs> Can you believe that? Like Starbucks is the only place that does pour overs. We'll do pour overs here. Not anymore. <laughs> but that was that was a case where there was a, a, a reason for it. But yeah, but the, the immersion really is the biblical thing. And that's what we, that's what we practice. You're just trying to follow the Bible. Yep. Just trying to follow the Bible. I know. So that's why you do a believer's baptism only. And that's why we... Immerse them. Yeah. Let's change the culture, Garen. We're already <laughs> saying the Satan. Why not add in immersion instead of baptism? Let's really shake it up. So we're not Baptists anymore. We're we're immersionists. Doesn't have Something. the same ring. Yeah, doesn't have the same ring. A new sign will probably be expensive. We'll just <laughs> we'll carry on with the baptism, but we'll know we're immersionists deep down. Hey, very last thing, you know, Garen, you explained the gospel so clearly. There were so many people here yesterday, which is so cool to see, um, to see those people get baptized. You said there were nine. Gospels taken, which was uh-huh. really great. But my question is, why were more? Why did everybody not take a go- take take yeah. a booklet? Like, what is the obstacle for people when hearing what you had to say? Because I felt like you said it really objectively, and tr- and did your best to kind of speak 
um, with no church language so people could understand clearly, even if they've never been to church. So my question is, what is the obstacle for people when they're hearing this? And maybe maybe that's useful for us too. Like if we're ever going to share our faith, yeah, like right. what are obstacles yep. that people are just naturally going to have to the gospel? When there's that pride that makes me want to earn it. So somebody's coming in, they're hearing that for the first time, even if they're drawn, there's that pride inside, like, nah, you know, so there's that battle going on in there. There's also the battle, I mean, from Genesis 3, that we just want to be our own God. And even a lot of people like, I believe that. I, I think that's true. I do not want to give my life, the leadership of my life to him right now. So I think there's that. And then people have legitimate, maybe somebody came in there who has no faith background. They've got legitimate questions about science or mm. they've heard myths about Christianity that is anti-science or anti-this. And they're like, well, that kind of was compelling, but man, I've got some big questions first. And that's why we just have to be patient with people, meet them where they are, try to find out where they are, work with their obstacles. Um, and to know that most people aren't going to get converted the first time they hear, right? It's a journey mm -hmm. and it's, there's lots of links in the chain. So yesterday that might've been some people's first link to mm, hear it. That's exciting. And it's going to take those relationship building and being loved and they're going to ask questions. So, but I just love the chance to, to, to do the gospel to people who were there who didn't know Jesus that we had a lot of college students that were there yesterday who were invited by friends that mm -hmm. got to hear and some adults even, yeah, I heard some grandparents just really pretty energizing to be able to do that. If anybody wanted to share the gospel with someone or maybe at their place of work or school, they had somebody who was interested. Is there a way they could get some of those booklets from you? That oh yeah, you had out? we've got a boatload of them. We'd love to do that. And you know, Jordan, the other thing, I, I might come back, you know, this Sunday, Jason's preaching because we had the conference thing, right? Um, that I need to come back and say is even when I'm doing this, I hope, I really want to challenge people like to listen it's even the way I talk about this because they can they can like talk about that with their friends. They can take some of these ideas and um, so my intent isn't just that I'm the gospel presenter guy, you know that just a lot of the language that if if people just pay attention, I really want people believers even to pay attention and be like, okay, right, I can use that illustration, I can use that language, I can talk about it that way. So in the future, I need to be more intentional about even telling people like when I'm doing this. Don't just be like, hey, that's cool, but be listening like, oh, this is how I can talk about this because mm. that's part of what I'm trying to do, actually. Wait, you want other people to go share the good news? <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? I thought yeah. you were kind of on a power trip and you just want everybody <laughs> to come to you. That's not how it is? Oh, man. Okay. Excellent. Well, we hoped yesterday was useful. It was certainly exciting and life-giving on our end. So, um, yeah, if you want any of those booklets and you're interested in sharing the gospel or have someone in your life who has questions, please hit Garen up. He has lots and he'd love to share. So next week, Jason, is Jason continuing with this names of God? Or he is. is he, he's, okay. I gave, I gave him the tough one. So uh, he, he, I'm like, I've got to go, I got to go to a conference. So I'm going to give you the one that that's too hard to handle. So, cause you know, I, I, I like the easy ones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you just want the fastball down the middle. We also need to say no wrap up next week because we will be out. Yeah, right. So if you're a weekly listener, next week, no wrap up. And then uh, the week after, we'll just make it twice as long. Yeah, so we'll double down. No, we won't do that. Just kidding. But yep, next week we'll be out. So, hey, glad you guys are with us. Remember uh, 12th Avenue Immersionist Church. <laughs> We're going to start making some new swag. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, have a great week, guys.